Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. It's always important to say thank you. How many agree? Thank you is a really powerful word. Um, and as I saw her um, on the stage um, leading worship, I whispered to my wife, I just love this girl. I've actually loved her for a long time. Um, and just seeing her um, back on the stage, um, even though I know it's just for a short while, a lot of our worship experience is because of her sacrifice when she was head of our worship team. So I want us to say thank you to her. She used to be, she used to be busy at Conde. She's now busy at Shimolowo. So busy, you want to come up wherever you are. You want to come up. Well, let's, let's say thank you to her. Yeah? She, she looks the same. The same. Hasn't changed. How many years ago? Yeah. 11 years ago you left. Wow. She, she was worship leader for many years, and 11 years ago, she got um, snapped up in marriage and had to leave. Uh, but, but she's back, anytime she's back in town, she just, just flows into the choir. And that's because she was part of the foundation. So go on, please appreciate BC. 11 years ago. That's interesting. Makes me know I must be getting on in years. <laughs> Amen. And um, along, along those lines, um, we want to say um, happy birthday to um, two members of our worship team, two of our, our key worship leaders. So I'm going to bring them up. Um, Tolani and Tony, you want to come up? It's their, it's their birthday today. It's their birthday today. So I want you to appreciate them. Where's Tony? Go on. Now, I'm not... I, I want you to appreciate both of them. Come, come, come. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask that um, from the hub, um, from here online, I'm going to ask that you bless them uh, with your words in prayer. So go on, will you just bless them? Um, Tolani and Tony have been exceptional in their commitment here. So please bless them. Say a prayer over their lives. Today is a special day for them as they celebrate their birthdays. Father, we thank you for these your daughters. We ask for a fresh grace and a fresh anointing to come upon them for the next season of their lives. Surprise them with what you will do, Heavenly Father. Every word that has been spoken by your spirit, may none fall to the ground, may it bear fruit in their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. May this season be one of open doors and godly surprises at every turn in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen and Amen. Go and appreciate them. Appreciate them. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Father, thank you for your word. Let it do what you have purposed that it will do. My um, sense this is a life-changing word, Father, and let it be so for every single one of us. Uh, Holy Spirit, breathe upon it in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. I, 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 I'm certain that that. This word is going to totally transform someone's life. Um, let me preface it with a story. Um, a story that uh, was told, Shola and I, on Friday. Um, we were at an uh, 80th birthday celebration. I was speaking, but the family are very close to us. Um, and we went to celebrate with them. And after the service, uh, there was a Thanksgiving service, there was lunch, and then there, was, there were celebrations after. After the service, 
um, a couple made a beeline uh, for Shola and I. And because, of course, we were greeting many people, we assumed it was just another greeting, but the lady beckoned for us to step away from the crowd, that they wanted to tell us something that they had been holding in their hearts and they had looked for an opportunity to tell us personally. So, of course, we're pastors. We thought it had something to do with pastoral care, support, counseling, a word of advice, a prayer maybe. And so we stepped um, aside from the crowd. And she told us this story that, that really has resonated with me and it's really the reason I'm sharing what I'm sharing today. I woke up this morning at about 6 a.m., totally fatigued. I'm at a different level of fatigue, but that's another thing entirely. I understand the grace to keep going when you are so tired. And I felt the Lord say, don't worry about what you are going to share. This is what I want you to talk about. That's why I know it's going to be significant for someone. And so she told us this story. Um, she said 15 years ago, I think it was, Shola will correct me if I'm wrong, about 15 years ago, after Ifi had died, um, I stood on this very platform and announced to the church that the Lord had spoken to me and that I was going to marry Shola. Of course, I'd already asked her. I wasn't presumptuous to come and say it here in case she said no. But this was the public, this was the public expression of it. And there were... There were Generally, good reactions, but there were a few people who had their challenges with it, for many reasons. Um, and this lady was working in an office. Um, a bit of her story. At 28 years old, um, she'd lost her husband. Um, tragic circumstances. And they'd, they'd, they had children. And she'd gone through a dark period of grieving um, and had come out of that period. Um, this was over a period of years. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't instant. It was years. If I remember rightly, um, and I was trying to call her this morning to get the facts correctly. If I remember rightly, I think she said for 19 years or so, thereabouts, uh, since she lost her husband. I might have got that not correct, but a long period. And so she was in an office with other people, ladies and possibly gentlemen. And of course, the, the talk in our community then was that Pastor Agu is marrying, and he's marrying, he's marrying Shola. She wasn't Pastor Shola then, she was Dickiness Shola. And then there were all kinds of stories, some supported, some didn't, everybody had opinions. And so they started talking about it, and on that group that was talking about it were running me down, disparaging me. Um, I'm sure they threw a few barbs at Shola, but you know, I took most of it, which I don't mind. I have a thick skin, especially if I've heard God. And a friend of hers called her aside. May you have helpers of your destiny, your life. And said to her, don't join them. That girl, Shola, has a grace on her life that has brought her to where she is. You need that grace. And she said she just packed her things and left them to have me for lunch. So she said when she got home, that thing that girl told her wouldn't leave her. And so she started praying intentionally. Let me preface further what I want to share with you with some scriptures, just in case people say he didn't quote scripture. 2 Kings 4. I pray this message will change someone's life. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. I'll read from verse 8. A story that I find fascinating. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. 
Please let's, let us make a small upper room in the wall and let us put a bed there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, Gehazi was his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. I'm saying this. I'm saying this with, with every grace that is upon my life. About this time next year, there's someone I'm speaking to. You will embrace a child in the name of Jesus. Uh, you know what's going to happen in the next few minutes is that I'm going to say many things. Many things. There are many things. Um, this morning, Shola said to me, what is wrong with you? Because I was very quiet. But I know when God has put me in a prophetic place. I am standing now in a prophetic place. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. And I accept being called an apostle. But the prophetic unction that is on what I'm going to say in the next 30 minutes, may you receive it when it comes concerning you. I am declaring to someone that by this time next year, you will be embracing that child. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the, woman, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time have come, had come, of which Elijah had told her. There is an appointed time, I declare, over someone's life. And nothing can stop it from coming to pass. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his, with his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. I declare over someone's life, irrespective of the circumstances, because God asked me to declare that it is well, it has to be well in the name of Jesus. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. May God give you the grace to be tenacious for what God has said is coming your way. There's a tenacity in this season that is necessary to seize what God has said. God has said it. You be tenacious by his grace and you will see it come to pass. Can someone say amen? So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. 
He returned and walked back and forth in the house and went up again and stretched himself out on the child. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and then she picked up her son and went out. Five things I want to share with us from from these two stories. Five things I pray the Lord gives us understanding. Number the first thing is that you must never dishonor the anointing or grace on a person or a situation. Many have inadvertently dishonored an anointing or a grace on a person or a situation and have truncated their destiny. Because a lot of times it is that grace or that anointing that you honor that will work on your behalf. The psalmist says in Psalms 105 verses, verses, we usually read verse 15, but I would like you to read with me verse 14 and 15. It says, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. A lot of times when we hear that, that psalm, we think he's talking only of the man of God, the preacher, the pastor, the vicar, the bishop, the overseer. But when you read that scripture in context, he's talking about any anointed child of God. I live with my wife, Shola. I might be the pastor, but I am conscious of the grace and anointing on her life, and I always honor it. Because that grace and that anointing that is particular and peculiar to her speaks in my favor, has opened doors for me that my anointing as pastor could not open because it's a particular and peculiar grace and I have taken time to study it so that I can honor it so that it can work in my favor. So many have dishonored a grace or an anointing that should have worked for them and it ended up of course not working for them. That lady I told you about could have dishonored the grace that was on Shola's life. It's a grace that was on her life that put her where she is. And whilst all the others were chit-chatting and running down, she could have joined them and how many know her story will not be the same today. Because what opened that door for her was the grace that she coveted and that she honored. Let me speak specifically to those who are believing God to be married. <laughs> the numbers are not good. Seven women to one man. The numbers are not good. So what is needed is a grace. As long as God says it is part of his plan for a person's life. And it's a grace I call a Ruth grace. <laughs> a Ruth anointing. Oh Lord. Circumstances that Ruth did not understand fully took her a Moabite from Moab to Judah. She played her part in loyalty. She told Naomi, I'm going with you. I'm loyal to you. She arrives in Judah and is at the bottom of the pyramid. Wretched and poor. She can only survive by gleaning. Gleaning was when you were given permission to go onto someone's farm. And as they harvested, some of the harvest would fall off the harvest wagon. And the poorest of the poor walked behind the wagon and picked what fell off. And that's what they lived on. That was her lot. But then this God who works in, in an amazing way didn't direct her to Emeka's farm or to Ade's farm. Because Ade was a wicked man. Emeka only cared about himself. 
This God directed her to Boaz's farm. A real gentleman and a kind man. And when Boaz comes to visit his farm, there are many like Ruth. They all look the same. Disheveled, poor, wretched, torn clothes. None of them had their Brazilian weave on. None of them had makeup on. They looked the worst. But Boaz stands up. And then he says to his guys, Ruth 2 verse 4 and 5. Whose young woman is this? How did he settle on one woman that looked like possibly hundreds and didn't look anything like she could be the wife of a prince because there was a certain grace and an anointing on her. It's a bit more than the weave. It's a bit more than the makeup. It's a bit more than positioning yourself. It's a bit more than an hourglass figure. All those things some have tried and it hasn't worked. It's a grace and an anointing that God puts on a person that propels a person into destiny. And the person might have some of those physical attributes, but it's not the physical attributes. It's a grace and an anointing. I pray over all those who are believing God to be married. That that grace and that anointing that will cause you to be located, not for a man, but for your destiny, will rest upon your life now in the name of Jesus. And you know what often causes us to dishonor an anointing or a grace? Is familiarity, what I call the stumbling block of familiarity. There were two young boys called Ahio and Uza. For a while, the ark of God had been in their father's house. Their father was called Abinadab. And they must have got familiar with the ark. It's not in the Bible, but it's a phrase worth putting in our heads that familiarity breeds contempt. Because this ark was in their house. They must have run all over it, touched it, played with it, and nothing happened. And so one day they are moving the ark to Samuel, the sixth chapter, verses three to four. No, not going to read it. And the ark stumbles because the, the horses that are carrying it, they stumble. And the ark kind of is shaky. Now, I'm sure you know the ark was the symbol of the presence of God. And Uzzah reaches out his hand to steady the ark, ostensibly to help God, so that God does not fall. And in an instant, God kills him. His familiarity cost him his life. Don't get too familiar with a grace or an anointing. Don't focus on the earthen part of the vessel and miss out on the treasure. I brought up Bode and Kemi. I brought them up spiritually. Married them. But I'm not stupid enough not to recognize the anointing for marriage and for children that is upon their lives. Their pastor, my wife, joins Kemi's prayer meeting. Not joins as senior pastor's wife and as pastor Shola. She joins the prayer meeting as every other person. Why does she do that? Why do I, on matters to do specifically to do with marriage and children and certain prophetic things, why do I go to them? Because I recognize the grace and the anointing that is on their lives. I honor it so it serves me. Some of you are looking at them because they are in your family. My brother, my sister, it's not so and so. I used to knock their head. I used to knock their heads. But now the grace is manifested. 
honor the grace. Jesus, with all the miracle working power in him, went back to his house, his village. The Bible says that he had raised the dead all kinds, but he could not even cure a headache in the village. That's my paraphrase. He could do very little in the village. But why could he do very little in the village? The Bible makes it clear. Matthew 13. Verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. What were they saying? Isn't this Jesus? Since when did Jesus start prophesying like this? That's how many people miss a grace or an anointing that should bless them. Because they are looking at the earthing and they can't see the treasure. A lot of what is going to transform our lives is around us. But unfortunately, it comes dressed in strange clothes. May God open your eyes to see the grace and the anointing that is probably right within your reach that should change your life. And may you not inadvertently dishonor it. Number two, you must pray to be delivered from the traps of the enemy. You see, the enemy sets traps to truncate destiny. That, that lady, in God's plan, in the book of her life, she was going to overcome the pain and the loss of a, a, a loved one. The weeping that endured, the night was coming to an end. The enemy sensed it and he set a trap for her with her friends and her colleagues. And the, the intention was that with her own words, she should then snare herself. And does the Bible not say that in Proverbs 6 verse 2 that we are ensnared, we are taken by our own words. And so they arrange it for her. Just the same way that the enemy set up Judah by using his daughter-in-law Tamar. And if you read that story, no time to read it. It will speak volumes to you out of Genesis 38 verses 14 to 19. Tamar was angry. She was grieved. In the same way that Satan is angry and grieved at you and I. And so she sets a trap. The Bible says she veils herself. We're all intelligent. If I know it's a trap, I'm not going there. Nobody's a fool. None of you here look foolish. If it is disguised, if it is, if it is clear that it's a trap, nobody's going there. So the enemy has to veil the trap. So he veiled it for that young lady. It's just gist. Just, you know, just a bit of gossip. Just talk a bit. Just run down this man of God in London. Uh-uh. Man of God, is he the only one? So she could have joined the gist. Careless words. But God had mercy on her and sent a helper to say to her, don't truncate your destiny. She veiled herself and sat at the side of the road as a harlot. The man came along, probably had his weaknesses. And then offered her so, some sheep to sleep with her. She said, no, I don't want the sheep. I want your signet ring and your staff. What was, what was she saying? I'm taking your identity. The foolish man gave her his identity and slept with her. Five minutes of ple pleasure. No, even if he was taking Viagra, 30 minutes of pleasure. That's it. Finish, finish. Over. His, his, his identity gone. May God show you the traps that the enemy has set for you. May all of them be unveiled before you. And may no one under the sound of my voice walk into a trap, a snare that the enemy has set for you. Number three. Number three. Intentionally tap into the grace and the anointing that you need. Find it. It already exists. Nothing we do is by power or by might. So anything you see in a genuine child of God is a, is a work of grace, unmerited favor. So when you see grace at work, 
that you desire, that you need to fulfill God's plans for your life, identify it and tap into that grace. Be intentional. How do you tap into a grace or an anointing? Three ways. Number one, by prayer. You see, prayer is, the, is what moves things spiritually. That lady prayed. Her prayer was simple. The grace on Shola put on me, God. And not put on me just so that I can go around saying I'm Mrs. No, put on me so that I can fulfill destiny the way she's, going to, she's fulfilling destiny. You find a Christian businessman and you've been called to be an entrepreneur. That's your prayer point. That the grace that is on this man so that he is a treasure house for the kingdom of God. Not that the grace that is on this man so I can buy another Ferrari. That grace will not even work for you. Because God is not in the business of just giving Ferraris out. He's in the business of winning souls and expanding his kingdom. So the grace that is on this person for business, God, give me that grace for the sake of your kingdom. Identify the grace. Identify the anointing. And be very intentional about tapping into it. Number one, by prayer. Number two, by sowing. I'll tell you a story. Without a doubt. And thank God for what God is doing here at Jesus' house. But amongst all my friends that started out in the Redeemed Christian Church of God, and he's since left, but amongst all of us that started out, Pastor Tolas Church, Jesus House, Baltimore. I can't explain to you what has happened in that church. Shall I say not the case? I can't explain to you what has happened in that church. The church has exploded every which way. And name every way a church can explode. It has exploded. So this morning, as I was preparing this message, God brought an incident back to my mind. I'd forgotten about it. He sat exactly my, where Mr. Jimobi is sitting. I sat where shall I sit in. And he looked at this church. When I came down, I said to me, Ruku, God has done something in your life. We started out together, 20-something-year-old boys. He said, God has done something in your life, man. Look at this church. He just put his hand in his, in his pocket and brought out a serious amount of dollar bills. I said, what's all that? He said, please, I sow this into your life. I said, really? He said, yes. What God is doing here, let him do for me in Baltimore. Now God has done more. So I have to carry some pound sterling and go to Baltimore. If this is how the thing works. I have to go to Baltimore. Because what God has done there, if everything is here, it's kindergarten to what God has done there. I mean, they have everything. Basketball, cuts for their young people, all the things that we dream about. So I will carry some pounds sterling. Go and sit in this church. When he finishes preaching, I will take the pounds sterling and say, what God has done here, let him also do in London. That's how it works. So, you see, you see a grace or an anointing, sow into it. The person doesn't even have to know you're sowing into it. It's a young lady who desperately wanted to marry. I thought, this girl desperately wanted to marry and got it wrong. So I helped her. I said, this marriage you want, there's no God in it. You just want to be married for yourself. I said, change your prayer. Tell God that and mean it first before you tell God because you can't lie to God. God will look into your heart. I want to be married for the sake of your kingdom. Me and my husband and our children will serve you. She did that. And then I said to her, go and sow. I said, find marriages you like. Bless them. Serve them. That's the third thing. Serve them. Ask them, do you guys want to go out to dinner? I'll look after the children. They don't know what you're doing. These are spiritual things. They can go out to dinner and enjoy themselves. You're there serving them. She took it one a step further. Guess what she did? In this Jesus house, she said, she found out from the, the people who do the marriages, Ode and Kemia and uh, Daps, 
Every marriage that took place in Jesus' house, whether she knew them or not, she bought something. So some, some, of, the, some of the people getting married were hearing, there's someone in church who has bought your wedding shoes. Ah, they say, can I know the person? They say, the person doesn't want to be known. But the person is a bona fide member of the church. There's someone in church who has said she's paying for one bridesmaid dress. Ah, who's this person? The person doesn't want to know. Every marriage that took place, she sold into it. Is it any wonder that she's happily married now? And I mean happily married. Serve the anointing. Sow into the anointing. They are spiritual principles. Number four. God is a God of restoration. <laughs> He's truly the God of the second chance. I looked at that lady. Uh, you should ask Shola. And the husband were just laughing. They just looked so good, so happy. And then my mind went back to when she was 28 and she lost her husband. The grief, the sorrow, the darkness, the sadness, the emptiness, the hopelessness. If you had asked her then, there's no way she could have prophesied that she was going to smile, talk less of laugh again. Talk less of have her story told and influenced thousands as, as is happening now. There's no way. It was a dark place. But I came to tell someone today that God has not forgotten. I came to tell someone today that God is a God of restoration. I came to tell someone today that it might seem like the canker worm and the locusts have had their day. But the God that I say, serve says he will restore the years that they have eaten. I came to tell someone today that that chance might have passed. But the God I serve is a God of a second chance. And I sense a second chance is coming someone's way. Again, when we read those scriptures, it says, I will restore the years the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, Joel 2, 25, the chewing locust. He says, my great army which I sent among you. It's not that... He, out of wickedness, ordered the locusts to eat. It is that a lot of times in this larger scheme of things, it was necessary that what happened happened. Sometimes it's because of our carelessness. Sometimes it's because of a larger plan that we can't understand on this side of eternity. But it happened. We always forget the next two verses. And I speak these verses over your life today. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people, you shall never be put to shame. Can someone say amen? amen. And verse 27 goes further. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Can someone say amen to that? And lastly, number five. The power of thank you. That woman saw us and her husband. They'd had it in their heart. And they rushed to us and pulled us aside. And what they wanted to say was thank you. That you don't know. But your story has so affected our lives that we are where we are because of your story. And we want to say thank you. The Bible says that a sign that we're rushing towards the end of the ages is that people will become thankless. So as Christians, what will make us stand out as we come towards the end of the ages is that we are people who are thankful. We are grateful. We say thank you. And there's always opportunities to say thank you. And even as I speak now, some of you need to go back somewhere to someone and say thank you properly. The Bible says in 
Psalms 100 verse 4, the message translation, that this word, this, this two words, thank you, is a password. You know the story of the ten lepers. People whose lives were condemned in a natural sense. There was no hope. Nobody heard about leprosy being healed. But then they had an encounter with Jesus. And their leprosy was healed. Nine of them, not bad guys. I don't think they were bad guys. Just nine people overwhelmed by what had happened. Nine people with all kinds of opinions about how to say thank you. Those who say God sees my heart, I've said thank you in my heart. Those who say you don't have to make such an open show of this thank you. Why do you have to fall on the floor and be shouting, rolling on the floor in the church, jumping up and down to say thank you? You must be civilized and have decorum. Those who are thinking I can finally go and date. I'm no longer a leper. I can now go. That girl, Philomena, that I've always wanted to date, let me just go and date her. I mean, nine guys with good reasons. Good nothing. I don't, I don't condemn those nine guys because I've been there myself. The businessman of the nine guys who says, now we can face this business and make some money trading. But one of them said, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, is it not proper to go back to where this thing came from and say thank you? And if you think it doesn't matter to God, listen to Jesus. Where, where are the nine? Was it only this foreigner? This one who should not know? That something instinctively told him. Instinctively. He, he hadn't been trained to, but something told him that it is right to go back to say thank you. Do you know how many people leave Jesus' house and never say thank you? Never come to tell me thank you. For, for many years they've been here. I'll tell you a true life story. And he's probably listening. <laughs> no, he's probably listening. Two months after if he died. <laughs> God is just God by himself. A lady came up after service. August, I think it was. And they said the lady wants to see me. And so I asked her to come into the office. But where your office is, that's the office where I sat. And the lady said to me, oh, I've been in this church for three years. My husband was on a posting for a Nigerian multinational. And he's gone back a year ago. And he now says, I have to come back. Because he's not staying in that place without his wife. Don't, that, that's, that place is very special. So you don't just save yourself a lot of trouble. So he said, you have to come back. So she said, I came to thank you for pouring into my life for the last three years. Ah, I thought that's all you came to do. Just to say thank you to me. You know, I was so gobsmacked because I'm not used to it. But they, they come, they go, they come, they go. They don't even think that they should go and say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma. Thank you, Pastor Bode. Thank you, Pastor Denrele. Thank you. For three years, you fed me. They don't even bother. Just come and go as they like. This world is a fascinating place. Interesting human beings. So I was so gobsmacked. I said, that's why you booked this appointment? She said, yes. I just want to say thank you. And the next thing, she said, we have a daughter. And she burst into tears. I thought, oh my God. That daughter must be ill and she wants me to pray. So I calmed her down. I said, what's it with your daughter? She said, we've never left her alone. Never. But I have to go to my husband and she's going to be here alone in boarding house. <laughs> you know, the way I do things doesn't make any sense. Without knowing whether this woman was a mass murderer, if... They call them in Nigeria, 419, a, a fraudster, nothing. I said to her, don't worry. I said, I'll look after your daughter. I said, we're moving into a new house. There's a spare room. That's her room. I didn't know, her. I didn't know the woman from Adam. I said, don't worry. I said, if you need a guardian, I'll be the guardian. 
As I was saying it, I was thinking, Agu, have you asked her her name? What is her name? You don't know. And then she said, her daughter is in boarding school. And she said where her daughter was in boarding school. I said, we have a, a member of our team called Shola. She lives in that area. I went out, looked for Shola. Shola was not my wife, oh. She was not near my wife. I said, Shola, please, where you're coming to church, please pick this girl and bring her to church every Sunday. That girl has become our children's big sister. They are so close. If you saw Noni and her, you would think that they are one. That lady became the closest female to me, apart from my wife and my sisters. Close. She's going to be with the Lord now. That family, they are our family. They bought a house next door to mine. I walk across to their house. It takes me three minutes to get to their house. We live in the same place. How did all this happen? That family, if I have people who support me in ministry, that family supports me in ministry. Crazy support. Crazy. How did all that happen? Because someone came to say thank you. Did she know that in saying thank you, she was opening the door for her daughter to have a family? She, she had a room in her house. She's inseparable from our, two older, our three children. She's a family. How, how could she know? She just went to say thank you. That's why the Bible says thank you is a password. So many have missed what God has planned because they haven't gone to say thank you. And saying thank you gives glory to God. Because when that couple shared their story with us, they were not just thanking us. They were saying, in saying thank you, they were saying, see what God has done. That's what thank you does. Hallelujah. I hope somebody has heard. He that has ears, let him hear. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Glorify your name. I just want to pray quick prayers. Please let your amen signify that, that that prayer, you receive it and it will bear fruit. Father, I declare, O oh God, by your spirit and with all the grace and anointing that is upon my life. That if anyone under the sound of my voice has created negative circumstances that are working against them by their words. They have spoken careless words that have trapped them. They have joined in conversations that are speaking against them. They have spoken out of pain, sometimes over their loved ones, or it has affected them. Today, I come, O oh God, by the blood of Jesus Christ that can erase everything. And I plead on behalf of my brother or my sister that the blood of Jesus avails itself for them and everything negative from words that they have spoken is cancelled in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, if anyone here has out of familiarity created a negative circumstance because they've been familiar with your themes or your anointing or your grace, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the blood of Jesus will speak on their behalf. And that the works that have come from that familiarity, Father, are erased in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that spiritual discernment will come upon everyone under the sound of my voice. That they will see the plans and the traps of the enemy and the grace to avoid them will rest upon every one of us now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will open eyes to see 
opportunities to tap intentionally into graces and anointings that are necessary for destiny in the name of Jesus. I pray for a spirit of prayer so that people will be tenacious to seize the things that you have asked them to seize in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, for restoration. You said, Father, there's no restoration because no one shouts restore. I declare over this gathering, this congregation, wherever we are, here at the base, in the hub, online, restore, Father, into their lives. Restore, Father, for, this, for your name's sake. Restore, Father, O oh God, for the name of your Son, Jesus. Restore. I declare that your children enter into the season of the second chance, Heavenly Father. And Father, may a heart of gratitude be our portion. May we be grateful first to you, and then may we be grateful to others. We thank you. We bless you. If there's anyone who hasn't received the gift of salvation, in my reckoning, that is the picture of an ungrateful heart. He died on the cross for us. He shed his blood for us. Paul says our reasonable response is to give our lives a living sacrifice to him. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice, wherever, wherever you are, in the hub, at home, online somewhere, or in this auditorium, you have not given your life, you haven't received with gratitude the gift of salvation. With all heads bowed, if you're in the base, will you slip your hand up? Just settle this matter once and for all. Show your gratitude. If you're online, can you type into the chat that you want to receive this gift of salvation and, and show your gratitude? If you're at the hub, slip your hand up, pastors Joseph and, and Kenya and the team will minister to you. Anybody in this auditorium, saying, I want to receive this gift of gratitude. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Father, we bless you. We glorify your name. As I end, the Lord says to someone that the time of weeping is over. That it has endured for enough. The Lord says that prepare to receive the joy of the new dawn. Can someone say amen and amen?